Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. I am fresh off a girl's trip to Chicago to visit my sister and her family. And by girl's trip, I mean me and Wilder hit the road. Um, I was thinking about this episode while I was there because I recorded it before I went. Um, Today, we have the honor of listening to Coach Kristen Shefshunis, hard to say last name, but it's kind of cool, who is a confidence coach. Um, I'm sure you're wondering what a confidence coach is, and you'll hear more details soon, but it's really pretty simple. She helps people gain or regain their confidence, sometimes in regards to specific events or issues, and sometimes in regards to their entire lives. This is something that is very important to me personally, and even more importantly, as a mom to a six-year-old girl. So while in Chicago, I spent some time observing Wilder with her four older cousins. And here's what I saw. A strong, smart, sassy, fun, strong-willed, compassionate girl who has occasional meltdowns, but for the most part knows who she is and has a strong opinion on right and wrong. She very rarely shows insecurity. She's also very vocal when she believes she knows more than me, which is often, and I kind of have a feeling that trait may not change ever. But what I do know will change, and it breaks my heart to think about it, is that she will go through times when her confidence is shaken, and I am gonna need to pull out every trick in my confidence a book or book bag, or whatever you want to call it, to help her come out the other side even stronger. I mean, that's what puberty's really all about, right? Coming out of that thing stronger. So it's important to me to push myself to continue learning new ways to maintain and regain confidence when I feel it's slipping. It's really applicable when you're an athlete, which many of you are. You're training for specific events and you can literally monitor and manage your comfort levels, right? It's also dangerous, not comfort, but confidence levels. And, and I say it's, it's dangerous because you may be rolling along in your training, having great workouts, and all of a sudden one day you have a bad workout and your confidence just drops exponentially. And that, those are the moments when you're going to need to pull out your little bag of tricks too. So that's why this episode is really important. You're going to learn some different things about how to do that. But you know, I think it's even more so than, than in regards to athletics. It's when you're simply rolling along through life that it gets tougher to maintain your level of confidence. You know, with skirt sports, my confidence is tested every single time I launch a new product, for instance, because I literally decide on the product and finish it a year and a half before it actually hits the shelves. I've done it. 
Um, I know I had my reasons and I felt confident at the time, but when we officially launch, I always hold my breath and wonder, <laughs> like, did I do the right thing? And if things don't go well, I question myself. And it's really hard not to focus on all the failures instead of the huge successes that when you step back, they far outweigh all the failures. Um, and it's such a great example of how today's episode can help us because it's not letting ourselves go down that rabbit hole of doubt. And if we do, it's figuring out how to start climbing back out. So on a skirt sports note, a little, uh, I'm going to give a little uh, special offer. I'm going to extend the don't give up 30% discount on the best women's active apparel brand in the market. And of that, I'm very confident. Um, this code is good through the end of April. You use the code don't give up no spaces, and go to skirtsports.com. It's only good on the newest, latest, and greatest stuff. No sale items. Check out our new Cool It collection that, again, I finished a year and a half ago and just launched a couple days ago. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, we're going to see a big landslide on that one. It's going to be awesome. So if you have questions about anything skirt sports related or the podcast, you can always email me. It's not that hard. Just email Nicole at skirtsports.com. Sometimes it takes me a while to get back to people, but I usually do eventually. (laughs) And before we dive into Coach Kristen's interview, I want you to write down another website. It's healthiq.com backslash RTW. It stands for Run This World. Because if you have any interest in life insurance, which believe me, I did not until I had Wilder, Um, Health IQ is the place to go. They actually help healthy people secure better rates. It's a totally revolutionary company and they walk the healthy talk, which I think is so awesome and important because I want to align myself with companies and brands and people that do just that. So if you, if you check them out, tell them I sent you, it helps me, it helps the podcast. I'm so grateful for their sponsorship. Um, as the podcast grows, I definitely need more support to uh, keep up the volume and the quality here. So thank you for considering Health IQ too. Okay, so let's talk Kristen Shunis. Uh, coach Kristen was an All-American Division I swimmer. She's a college swim coach. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's an entrepreneur. She didn't get there without some false starts and disappointments. And after going through many of these, she uncovered the power of confidence coaching. And after huge success with her athletes, she decided that that would be her new direction in life. And I think that pretty much most epiphanies come when we finally open ourselves up to our own issues whether we're stagnating or failing or just running in place. It's when we finally, I don't know, allow ourselves to be humbled and vulnerable that we can start moving out of those places. Kristen speaks to this process and so much more today. All right, then I'm going to bring her on and let's, let's tap into some new levels of confidence. Uh, let's first of all, thank you for taking the time with me. Thank you. I'm so excited. It's cool because you go by Coach Kristen, but I cannot for the life of me figure out how to say your last name anyway. <laughs> it's Chef Shunis. There's like way too many vowels, not vowels, yes. consonants in there, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Um, 
So it's really cool. I uh, I just love connecting with people who former athletes who've gone on to like use the cool things that we got through our sport and turn them into like real life tools because there's hope out there for you athletes yes. who, who want to have a life beyond. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I was, uh, you know, your background's pretty, pretty awesome. You were a badass swimmer growing up, huh? Well, I was, I was pretty pretty good for my small town growing up, I will say. Um, let me say this. I didn't really get serious. I started swimming when I was 12, which is pretty late for swimming. And then um, I didn't really get serious until my junior year of high school. And that, uh, once I started working hard, it started to pay off my senior year. But to be honest with you, I wasn't really good enough to swim D1. I mean, maybe a smaller uh, college D1. But I just believed that if I put myself into the right training environment and surrounded myself, you know, with badass athletes, you know, elite athletes, that I could be an elite athlete too. And so took a total risk and walked on um, at the University of Tennessee in 1993 and just went in there with a mission. I was on a mission, um, whatever challenge was in front of me, like I, you know, I just stepped up to the plate and I worked my butt off. Um, it started paying off my sophomore year. And it, it, the reason why I'm so passionate about what I do is because when I started getting to the point that I had always dreamed of being, you know, I started getting you know, top eight at SECs and I started doing all these great things instead of being like so excited, like, oh my gosh, my hard work's paying off. You know, this is awesome. It scared the crap out of me. And my sophomore year and the beginning of my junior year were the best years I had because when the pressure came, I mean, the fear absolutely paralyzed me. And so that's why I'm so passionate about what I do. Wow, wow, wow. So that whole quote, I forget who said it, some famous amazing feminist of the fact that what we're really afraid of is our success, right? Yes, yes, that, our that light. That quote is true, and especially in your case. Holy cow. Yes. I mean, yes. why do you think that is? Well, I think, you know, <laughs> I always say when, because... When pressure comes, I always say the first thing to come is fear and doubt, and the first thing to go is your confidence. <laughs> and if you don't learn how to handle those fears and doubts, because I'm also a big believer, I don't really believe in the whole fearless thing. I believe you're going to have you're going to have fear. Like when you are at your biggest competition of the year or you are at, you know, something that um you have a lot at stake, right? Those moments where you have a lot at stake, I believe fear's coming and you have to learn how to handle that fear. And I had no idea how to handle it and I allowed it to absolutely um, stop me and keep me stuck. Okay. So, yeah. I want to talk about this fear, this perceived fear that a lot of times when you think of fear, you think of like physical fear, like I'm being chased, you know, I'm being, I'm in physical danger, like I'm going to get caught in an avalanche, right? Um, but in your case, this is like self-imposed fear because really what's, what's the big deal? You're standing on a starting block. Like sure. why is there even fear? Why do we do this to ourselves? 
And I, is, it, is there a difference between like fear and nerves? You know, tell me a little more about this, like this actual physiological thing that happens to us. Okay. So uh, the reason, again, the beginning of this whole confidence coaching thing for me was because I worked with a young woman um, named Kelsey. Um, she allows me to talk about her. <laughs> she gave me permission. So I met her when I was at, uh, the head coach at the University of Miami. And to give a little background on her, she was a superstar in high school and recruited like crazy. Um, ended up picking um, a pretty big time school to go swim at. And um, two years later, she was wanting to transfer to the University of Miami. That's when I was meeting her because in those two years, she um, hadn't done anything. Um, she hadn't gotten better. She had actually gotten worse. And, you know, she had walked into that school with so much expectation on her, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. She is going in, she's going to make NCAA. She's going to be an All-American. She could possibly win NCAAs. And she truly believed that she could do that, right? But then, like I said, two years later, she's standing in front of me um, wanting to transfer because none of that happened. And so, you know, I'm a big believer that talent never goes away, right? Like so many young women, they start sport and they're pretty good. And then they hit a plateau, right? They hit a funk, they hit a slump, whatever you want to call it. And they end up quitting because they think, oh, my talent's gone. But talent never goes away. Um, there's something I knew with Kelsey, there was something that was keeping her stuck because this wasn't a talent thing. And so she luckily ended up coming to the University of Miami. And, you know, she just I remember the first day she walked on a deck because, you know, when she was telling me her story about the last two years, you know, she she had tears in her eyes because she was so disappointed. You know, she she truly believed she could do all these great things at the other school and nothing was panning out. And we know that feeling, right? I mean, it's disappointment. Um, she was absolutely devastated and disappointed. So when I met her, she was deflated. She had tears in her eyes. She was ready for a new chance, a new start. And so when she came to Miami, when she walked on deck, she was like this totally different person. She had her head up, shoulders back, walking around, you know, with swag and confidence. And I'm like, you know, who is this woman? But hey, I'll take it because I want this girl swimming for me. And so everything was going great, training really, really well um, for a few weeks. And then we had our first competition of the year. And suddenly this woman who had been walking around with so much confidence, suddenly she had her tail between her legs and totally unsure of herself. You know, I kept saying, are you okay? Are you okay? And, and I always say she was tap dancing. Um, and a tap dancer means, you know, when life isn't, you know, going that great, when you are struggling, when you're afraid, when you have doubts and somebody comes up and says, are you okay? We start tap dancing and performing. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Right. We break out our tap dancer. And so she was kind of breaking out her tap dancer. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I said, okay. So she ended up racing and ended up doing terrible, absolutely terrible. And every competition after that, she got worse and worse and worse. And I don't remember how long it took. I'm, I'm making a very long story short here, but I don't remember how long it took um, me to finally say, um, okay, we need to talk about this. And she came into my office and 
you know, I started asking her about her confidence, things like that. She didn't want to go there. All she wanted to do was blame the training. She wanted to blame, you know, the weight room. She wanted to blame her teammates for not being positive enough. You know, she wanted to blame, blame, blame. And, you know, I allowed her to vent, you know, because we as women need to vent sometimes, right? But then um, after a few weeks when she started to trust me a little bit more, there was a moment um I just knew that she was a little bit more vulnerable than usual. And so I asked her, I said, hey, I said, what is going on when you're standing behind the blocks? Like, what are you thinking? What is going through your mind? And she closed her eyes and she said these three things. She said, what if I lose? What if I don't go fast? And then this is the kicker. She goes, what if I'm just not as good as I think I am? Huh. That breaks my heart. <laughs> oh my gosh, my jaw dropped. How could this elite athlete have those kinds of thoughts going through her mind, right? I mean, just two years earlier, she was one of the best in the country. And now she's, what if I'm just not as good as I think I am? And and she was shocked when it came out of her mouth because I don't think she ever expected to get that honest with me. And so, you know, just absolute shock. Um, you know, we finally got ourselves because, you know, like I said, my jaw was on the ground. So I had to get my jaw kind of back to normal. And, you know, um, after a couple of minutes of awkward, you know, I finally said, whew, I was like, thank you for finally being honest. You know, I'm proud of you. And then I always say I watched her do something. And this is, you know, eight, nine years ago. Um, and I'll never forget it. She took a big breath and she just exhaled. And that exhale was so much more than a breath. That was a, oh, thank God I don't have to pretend anymore. You know, thank God I don't have to, you know, pretend to be this confident, tough woman anymore. I can just be me. I can just be Kelsey. And that absolutely rocked her world. And I always say, you know, it was it was a long progress or, you know, it was a long progression. It was a lot of work. But I'm telling you, we never changed her training. We never changed weight room, you know, stuff. We never changed her teammates. You know, it was the exact same environment. And this woman who had been stuck for two, two and a half years finally got unstuck. And she started reaching her dreams. And I'm telling you, like, when we keep our fears and our doubts, um, you know, our past, our scars, our shame, when we keep that inside and we're not honest about it and we keep tap dancing for everybody, it becomes like an anchor in us. And we go to take a step forward into our potential and we can't move because we're stuck. But until we get honest and start speaking our truth and get that junk out of us. That's what gets, gets rid of the anchor and we can start taking baby steps forward. And that's exactly what happened with Kelsey. You know, she went on to go to NCAA. She went on to be an all American. She went on, you know, to a uh, semifinal at Olympic trials. You know, she went on to reach her dreams and we didn't change anything except for the fact that she started getting honest with herself. Well, I, you know, this is, there's so much in this story. I mean, oh, yeah. Kelsey, kudos to you, girl, wherever you are. I'm sure she's doing <laughs> something awesome. And, yeah. um, but, you know, I think you mentioned being stuck. I'm thinking about the women and men listening to this podcast, and some people are stuck right now. You don't actually, I think, realize the moment you get stuck. It's only sure. after you've been stuck for a while and you're like, what am I doing? Yes. And those times of, 
I think the worst times in my life are times when I have been stuck. It's not when the shit hits the fan and something really bad happens because those are times when you're taking action and you're moving through emotions or when you're winning and on top of the world. But it's, those are obviously good times, but some people may even looking back say I wasn't happy during those times, but it's times when you're just running in place or treading water, you know, when you don't have as much purpose, you're frustrated, you don't feel in tune with who you are, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what you're talking about with uh, about being honest about who you are. Yes. And and I think, you know, so often when we just get overwhelmed in life, we go into survival mode. You know, we go on cruise control. And, you know, the emotions, you know, we're emotional creatures as women. You know, we are made to be emotional and our emotions just kind of go numb, you know? Yeah. And we just go into this place where you know, we're not aware of ourselves, you know, and we are just on cruise control and kind of out in la la land, just surviving. And that is not a good place to live. No, it is absolutely not. And that's when the fears can start to overpower you. And you know, when we bring it down to like the microcosm of standing on the starting line of an event, whatever that event is, you know, you mentioned expectations. These are generally self-imposed. There's very few people in the world who are like making their living off of sport. So most people listening have some kind of expectation that then creates a fear, right? Sure. And you know, for Kelsey, it was like, what if I lose? Well, for most people, it's what if I don't finish? Or what if you know, the, all the what ifs, what if I have a GI issue and, and I end up sidelined in 17 porta potties along the marathon route, you know, sure, sure. Um, well, what if, and so with Kelsey, it sounds like you, nothing changed except you helped her change the way she thinks, you know? So did she reframe? Did you get her reframing where, where it was more like, what if I win? Instead of what if I lose? What if I go fast instead of what if I don't go fast? Well, here's here's my deal because I am not, you know, I always say I'm not into fluff, <laughs> quote unquote fluff, meaning I like to be 100% honest and 100% real. You know, there's so many motivational speakers out there and they keep telling you to be positive. Just think positive. Just think positive. And it's like, okay, when life isn't going well, when sport isn't going well, you know, my marriage is not going well, like, tell me how to be positive. You know what I mean? And it and it's funny because um, like this whole think positive, I had one of my clients call me and she was at a competition. She's a, she's a college, an elite college athlete. And She was at this competition and she called me and she's like, Kristen, she's like, I don't want to be here right now. And I don't know how to actually want to be here. And I said, look, I said, it's not like a switch. You know what I mean? It's not like a, you know, you flip the switch and you're like, yay, I'm so excited that I'm here. I said, you know, you would rather be in bed watching Netflix right now. (laughs) That's the truth. And that's okay. But here's the deal. You are there. And the truth is, you are a fighter. And the truth is, you never, you are the type of person that you would never go into a competition and not give 
100%. So what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be thinking positive doesn't have to be all rainbows and cotton candies and you know, and unicorns, you know, and like, yay, I'm so happy to be here. That's fluff to me. I think that you can be real. Okay, I would rather be in bed watching Netflix, but I am here. And I'm a fighter. And I'm a badass. And I will never not give 100%. And that is how you kind of turn the corner into, okay, I can be real and I can be positive. Yeah, I like that. Because what takes a little bit of the pressure off of an expectation is the fact that you're going to do the best you can. If you can sink into that confidently and know that you're not just going to go like kick around on the course. You're out right. there because you paid to do this event, whatever it is. Yes. You know, you've got to give it your all. I, you know what I want to do? I kind of want to turn it around on you. So because it, it, it sounds like, you know, a lot of your maybe deeper philosophies have come from working with other people. But when did you hit your aha moment that, you know, your own confidence was something you might need to address or were you always confident oh yeah right (laughs) (laughs) I struggle just like I mean it's a journey you know but uh, you know there is a defining moment and we're about to get real personal here but (laughs) I um so when I was uh the head coach at Miami um I remember I was dating this guy and um he was Um, not very nice to me. And that was a cycle for me. I kind of dated not nice guys, but they were always pretty well known guys, right? Because I loved if they're good on paper, right? I love to be seen with them. So I remember I was complaining to my brother um, one time about him and something that he had done, you know, that hurt my feelings or whatever. And, and of course, this is the 50th, 100th time, you know, that I've talked to my brother about it. And my brother said, you know, he interrupted me and he said, um, you know, you, you really need to work on your confidence. And I was like, uh, you know, my finger goes up, excuse me. I'm like, (laughs) I'm one of the most confident women I know, you know, I'm a division one head coach. I drive the right car. You know, I'm living in Miami, living the Miami lifestyle, dating the right men, you know, carrying the right bags. Um, you know, like, you don't have to worry about me. My confidence is just fine. And then he said something that absolutely um, wrecked my world. He said, if you had real confidence, you would never allow these men to treat you the way that you do. And it just took the air out of my lungs. And I'm tearing up just thinking about it because it was such... People didn't talk to you that way. Like... And nope. listen to how defensive you got. Think about what oh, we use defensiveness to uh, protect ourselves. Because I, mean, I, I tap danced like crazy. I mean, I wanted everybody to think that I had this perfect life. No one knew I was going to bed like crying because, you know, this guy, you know, that I was dating, you know, hurt my feelings on a consistent basis. I was lonely, you know. I mean, I had fear coming out of my ears, but I kept tap dancing and acting like, I'm fine, I'm fine. Actually, I'm not only fine, I'm great. And so when um, he said that to me, um, 
you know, it, you know, of course I said to my brother, I'm like, you're crazy and walked away, but it planted a seed in me. And I kept thinking, why do I like, I feel like I'm a badass woman. Why do I allow these men, you know, to treat me this way? And it's so funny because my brother, um, worked at a big church and they were really, um, they're very passionate about keeping their leaders healthy. So they always offer life coaches and counselors. And, and so my brother had started working with this, um, Christian counselor, um, her name's Denise and they started talking about me and she said, you know, do you think Kristen would ever want to work with me? And so my brother brought it up and I'm like, eh, no, not doing counseling. You know, that's for crazy people not doing it. And something just kept nagging at me. Like, why am I the way I am? You know, with men, especially. And, and so I finally said, okay, I'll give Denise a chance. And um, it was funny because I was thinking about this this morning because um, I wondered if we'd go here <laughs> on the podcast and get into my deep personal stuff. But I remember in the beginning, you know, I was kind of like Kelsey. I wanted to blame everybody else. You know, I wanted to blame the men. And she let me vent for a while. And then finally she said, when are you going to start taking responsibility that you allowed these men into your life? You were crying because you allowed them into your life. And, and that was such a defining moment for me, you know, with her. And then, you know, once she started to, you know, wanted to go real deep with me, you know, I had that completely blocked off. You are not allowed into that, you know, those scary, embarrassing, dark thoughts that I have, you know, that I've been holding in for so long. Nope, we're not going there. And um, she finally challenged me and, and she said, you know, um, you're not doing the work. And I said, I know I'm not, you know, I knew I wasn't. And, and she said, when you finally feel like you're worth it, you'll start doing the work. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't know if I am worth it but I really want to be. And I started doing the work. Um, and for two years, I, I did the work and I am a completely different person. Now I'm an open book. And before, you know, no one knew my deep, you know, I think real confidence comes when you have no secrets. <laughs> yeah. Like I have no secrets in the world. You know, at least one person in the world knows everything, um, you know, about me. And so, um, so yeah, and that has just been the foundation for everything that I do with women because when they start to get honest, um, it's, you know, that's when they start to get unstuck and start and start moving forward. So let's uh this is this is huge because what happened is your brother cracked your shell yes and you you kind of nurtured that wound for a while and finally said fine I know it's cracking <laughs> like you were in denial but you knew you were in denial yes and um I kind of want to go you know go into that dark place for a moment what were those like scary thoughts what were some of them because I think the reason I even want to ask and go more personal if you'll allow it is that there's people out there listening who are having thoughts that are probably similar in some way and it may help them to know that they're not alone sure you know I I was thinking about that too because it the thought the thought that the fear that ran my world when it came to my personal life was not 
you know, I'm scared to be alone because, you know, I'm, I'm okay being alone. My biggest fear was what if I'm alone forever? Like what if a man never, what if I never get to experience real love? Like that is what ruled my world because you know, when I look back and I think about the decisions that I made, all those bad decisions that I made, they always revolved around, you know, but what if I'm alone forever? Like I would rather take these scraps, you know what I mean? I would, I would rather accept these scraps that these men are giving me to at least have a little bit of security that somebody's there and I'm not all alone. God. And I, I get that feeling. I truly do. I mean, there's a lot of fear in the unknown, but oh, you weren't yeah. letting people love you all the way. No. I mean, that's part of the problem. And, yeah. um, have you experienced real love? Yes. Yes, definitely. Well, you know, I will say, um, you know, cause to go a little bit deeper and this is kind of mortifying, but you know, I had a lot of shame because of that fear of always, you know, um, of being alone forever. I had, um, a sexual past that I wasn't very proud of. Like I said, I would take scraps, you know, um, at least, you know, um, this pretend love. Um, and so I had a lot of shame that I had to deal with. And, um, it was, it, I remember, um, because that was a progression because I didn't, you know, as I worked through things, I thought that I got honest about everything, but that my sexual past was something that I hid hidden so, so, so deep because I was so embarrassed by it, um, that I would not, I wouldn't go there. And something happened. I remember getting advice before I started counseling and I always give this advice to my clients is leave no stone unturned. Meaning when you are journaling or you're thinking about something and some random story pops up and you think, oh, this has nothing to do with anything, go there. You know what I mean? Think through it, journal through it, anything, because I remember this random um, story popped into my head and I re remember, you know, kind of blowing it off. But I remembered the advice and I was like, OK, maybe I need to journal about this. And as I started journaling about it. Um, suddenly it started dawning on me that I had this sexual past to deal with. And it was such a breakthrough for me. And so when I finally came clean about it, um, you know, I wrote it in my journal first, but then I sat down with a friend and, and, um, I mean, I spoke the truth and I, and I remember thinking, I kind of want to lie a little bit because <laughs> this is so mortifying. Um, but I remember thinking no more lies. No more lies. Wow. And you know, I, I truly believe that the more open you are, the more you realize you're not alone. Yes. You know, you, you talk about a sexual past that's like shame, made you feel shame and embarrassment. I mean, I've got that too. I was a freaking college swimmer too. The swimmers partied and they all hooked up together. Oh yeah. Like it's, you know, you only hope that people weren't really watching you and maybe they're just remembering <laughs> their own trials and tribulations. Yeah. But, you know, especially sex. Like, why is it a cultural thing? Why are we so hung up on feeling ashamed of the crap we did? Because the truth is, it's stuff we did. It's not necessarily who we are. And I don't know. I, I, I well, think it's important to, to put out there. Sure. And I think, you know, you said something right there. Um, because 
Um, I remember Brene Brown, she was a big part of my counseling, you know, reading her books and everything. Um, but I remember her saying that regret is I did something bad and shame is I am bad. And that was, I, yes. And that was me. I was bad. I was dirty. I wasn't worthy of a good man because of my sexual past. Well, then we all need to turn all that crap into regret because we've all got stuff. We were all young. Like most of that happens before you have figured out who you really want to be. Absolutely. It's like part of your process of becoming who you are is to just, you know, do crazy stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. But what it does later is like happened with you, puts up barriers, creates walls, you know, and one of the other things that I keep thinking about in your kind of your personal story here is the word ego. Like I heard ego come out. You're like, what? That's not me. You know, I'm strong. I'm woman. Hear me roar. And uh, yet in order to get deep and vulnerable and let yourself out, you got to that ego has to strip away a little bit, right? Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, what I've realized is the bigger the ego, the more there is to hide. Oh, ouch. (laughs) (laughs) So all these guys that were dating you, they're the ones who've got the issues. Oh, oh, gosh. (laughs) Don't even get me started. (laughs) Uh, No, you know, and even in in the coaching world, you know, you see you know, and I had an ego, you know, no doubt about it, but there, you know, in, when I was coaching, you know, obviously the majority of coaches, especially at the elite level are men. And there are these men walking around with these huge egos. And it's like, I see you, I see right through you, buddy, because you are just hiding so much stuff. So that causes problems sometimes for me, because I can see it, but absolutely. I mean, we, that's what ego is. Ego is just that big wall that we create um, and put ourselves on a pedestal and start tap dancing that everything's great when the insecurities are just absolutely filling you. Oh, well, you wrote a book about this called Naked Confidence. And I love that the word naked is part of the title. Yes. Like, is that a very important part of the title? Well, yes, because it's funny because when I did sit down with my trusted friend to go through my sexual past, once I got it all out, I remember I like I I was sitting at her kitchen table and I remember thinking to myself, for the first time in my life, my guts are showing like my guts are out on this table, like like everything is finally seen. There isn't anything in me that isn't seen right now. And so that's why I thought naked because it's like I was completely seen. I was completely naked and completely seen. Um, And it's I always say it's like when we keep these fears and doubts and our shame, you know, because I believe that we're created just full of light. But then when we keep all this junk inside, it's almost like black clouds in us, you know, and it's the anchor is kind of like black clouds. And when we start speaking our truth and we get that shame out and we start talking openly about our fears and doubts, it's like those clouds are finally lifted in this light, this woman that we were created to be originally, right? That God created us to be, suddenly we can be her instead of having all these black clouds hiding our light. 
So yeah. that's how I felt in that moment is all those clouds had lifted. My guts are out on the table. I'm completely naked and completely seen. And for the first time, I'm not embarrassed by that. Uh, so in order to be able to go through this process, people need like a safe environment for themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, because I believe in journaling, right? But I also believe it needs to fully come out into the light with at least one other person. That's what I said, you know, about Kelsey, when she came clean with me about what she's thinking when she's standing behind the blocks, I always make note, she didn't have to take a megaphone and go tell the world. She told one person, and that was a difference maker for her. So, you know, and, but as women, especially, you know, we are not always wise about who we surround ourselves with. Um, you know, we need to make sure that we are around trustworthy women that when, you know, we bear our souls, cause I think it's so important to bear your soul to at least one person in this world, but that one person needs to be 100% trustworthy, like absolutely no doubts in this person. Um, just 100% trustworthy that you can share your soul and you're safe there. Oh, I love that. I I think uh, everybody think about your person. Who's your person? It may not, it might not be your spouse, right? You know? Which is also kind of a scary thought for a lot of people, right? Sure. sure. Yeah. Sure. So, what does that mean that they don't 100% trust the person in their life? Well, I think you know when it comes to you know your your spouse. Um, you know, another thing that I'm really passionate about is understanding that, you know, men and women, like our brains are completely different. You know, we are wired in a completely different way. Like women, you know, I always, I always preach this, this one guy, uh, I think I cannot remember his name, but he did this thing on, you know, men's and women's brains. And he was talking about how men's brains are broken up into compartments and boxes, right? And when they're in that box, that's the only box they're in. They're not thinking about the other boxes. They're one thought at a time. Where women, we are, our brains, he explained, is like a ball of wire. And all that wire is attached. So when we have one thought, it's like dominoes, right? And we've got 1,200 thoughts, you know, going through our mind at all times. So... You know, yes, you know, obviously you want a spouse that you can fully trust, but at the end of the day, I, a man isn't going to fully understand the complexity and the deepness of a woman's soul. So that's why I'm so, I just, I think having a girlfriend in your life that is going to actually understand and fully understand, you know, those thoughts and the wires and the dominoes that fall, um, I think is a game changer for every woman. I love that. I think uh, it just opens your eyes a little more. Yes. You know, people all around you can be unaware of what you're going through. But if you have that one stronghold that person who can really guide you I think it just makes you feel less alone in the world oh absolutely and you know I always say um because I remember I was I was speaking to a to a man one time and and he's like well what do you do when you're going through a hard time blah blah, blah. and I said well you know I have like in that I I have 
you know, I've been blessed with phenomenal women in my life, but here in, in my area where I'm living right now, there are two strong Christian women that are, you know, my best friends here. And I always say, cause he said, well, um, he goes, you know, when you vent and stuff, he goes, you know, you don't want to vent for too long. You know, you want to say, okay, snap out of it. I'm, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I was like, yo, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, I'm allowed to vent. You know what I mean? Like I'm allowed to come in and I'm allowed to be a little bit of a negative Nelly sometimes if life isn't going well. I said, but I also have friends that they'll listen and they'll love me. And then they love me enough to speak the brutal truth to me and go, okay, now it's time to turn the corner into the positive. You know, yeah. if I'm not going there myself, then they are, they love me enough to say, okay, let's, you know, you got it out. <laughs> now it's time to turn the corner. Now it's time to go to the positive. So I think it's, it's, you know, your inner circle needs to be people that you can fully trust and people that are willing to be 100% honest with you, even when it's something that you don't want to hear. Totally. I love that. Yeah. You know, is it when you get totally naked too, that you can really, like you mentioned, discovering and tapping into your unique gifts? Ah, uh, So yes. is like, do you have to go through a process before you can actually identify what those are and then take them forward with you to gain more confidence, I guess? Well, I think, you know, for instance, you know, when I was at Miami, my first four years there, um, the only way you can describe it was pure failure. <laughs> um, I had a really hard time transitioning from being an assistant coach to a head coach. Um, I went in, um, I went in with the idea of, okay, now I need to be what I think a head coach is. And all the other head coaches were like men who weren't very relational and they were always focused on swimming and always focused on, you know, the sport and things like that, where the assistants are more relational. Right. And so I was always the relational one as an assistant coach. But when I became a head coach, I thought, okay, now I need to become what a head coach is. I need to hire somebody to be the relational person, right? And I need to focus in on the swimming and the program and, and focus in there. And like I said, uh, it embarrassingly took about four years for me to figure out that this wasn't working because for four years I did what Kelsey did is I blamed everybody else. You know, it's everybody else's fault. This is, you know, and after four years it was like, okay, maybe I need to figure out um, something needs to change. And now I'm finally saying, okay, it starts with me. <laughs> instead of yeah. everybody else, right? I took and responsibility. Totally. And so you're embracing your own unique gifts, which are being that relational person, which you obviously are because of the career path you've even taken helping people. And you were fighting it, which is so crazy because I know that's what would make you and did make you an amazing coach, not trying to do it someone else's way. Well, it took some mentors because the summer before my fifth season, I just surrounded by my surrounded myself with mentors and started being a little more vulnerable. And, um, you know, one of the things they asked me is, you know, what, what are your gifts? What are you great at? And I, honestly, I was so beaten down by four years of failure. I didn't remember. I had no idea what I was good at anymore. And so they had to go back and say, well, what made you such a great assistant coach? And so as I started telling them what made me a great assistant coach, because I honestly walked into Miami thinking I was an amazing coach, right? And 
as I started explaining, you know, why I was so great as an assistant, we realized that I wasn't using any of my gifts because I was trying to be what I thought a head coach should be instead of me, instead of being me. And I think we do that so often, you know, we go into certain situations, we go into certain jobs and we, you know, do what we think people expect us to do or expect us to be. And we start, you know, we start trying to be something that other people will, um, approve of, you know, um, and we completely lose our unique gifts because we don't want to look completely different than everybody else. Yeah. So being different is okay. (laughs) It's a great thing actually. Yeah. (laughs) You know, let's, let's give people a little practical exercise now. They've got some big picture thinking about how to potentially start to shift their, you know, their own confidence game. Let's take, let's go back to the starting line. I'm nervous. I'm doing my first race in 10 years. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen. How, what, are there any practical tips you can give people to take the pressure off that moment? Absolutely. You know, I always say the first thing you need to do is wake up and actually know what's going through your mind. Because there have been plenty of times where I've asked athletes, what are you thinking before you compete? And they're like, I don't know. We need to wake up and we need to know because we can have negative thoughts so ingrained in our brains that we don't even know they're there anymore. They have been there so long that we don't even know they're there anymore. So we need to wake up and start being aware and realize, okay, what is going through my brain? And once you figure that out, then own it, own it. And I think so many people miss this because they just want to run to the, okay, let's start thinking positive. And so here's these, you know, doubts like chirping in our, you know, chirping in our ear. And we're like, I don't see you. I don't see you. I don't see you. And it's like, they're there. You know, you can pretend those doubts aren't there, but just because you pretend they're not there doesn't mean they're not there. And it certainly doesn't mean that it's not going to affect you in a negative way. So own it. Okay, this is, you know, I see you. What if I'm just not as good as I think I am, right? I see you. What if, you know, I have GI issues on this? I see you. You know what I mean? Like, I own it. I see you. Now we can start making the trek to moving into the positive. Because until we own it, we can't move forward. And that's where I think... You know, that's such an important piece that so many people miss because they think, oh, give me the tools to think positive. Give me the tools to think positive. Well, first, you need to know what's going through your mind. And second, you need to own it. I Um, love that. That's so cool. And so how do they then transition in this tight, practical time frame to a positive track? So... uh, I'll give you one example. I have many, many examples, but something that probably would have worked for me. And now, honestly, I use it so often, um, even just walking into presentations or, you know, meeting with a new client or whatever, because so often what we're doing is we're trying to predict the future, right? All these what ifs, we're trying to predict the future and we always go worst case scenario. You know what I mean? Like when we, (laughs) when we try to predict the future, we never go in a good, you know, we never think this is going to be so great. We think, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to stop at every porta potty on the way. You know, we always go worst case scenario. So instead of trying to predict the future, which you can't do anyway, right? You cannot predict the future. So pull yourself back to now. What do I know right now? 
Well, I know that when I start this race, I'm going to give it everything I have. You know, I do know that I'm going to focus in on, you know, for swimming, I'm going to focus in on these turns or, you know, whatever sport you're a part of, pick something that you know you can really focus in on. And then I always say, you know, and if somebody's beside me, if it's a race and somebody's beside me, I know I'm going to bust my ass to get to the wall first or to the finish first. That's what I do know and start focusing in on um, what you know now and stop trying to predict the future. But, you know, I was speaking to um, one of my clients who's an Olympian. I was just speaking to her last night and she said something so brilliant. She said, I like to change because I had her write down I am and then, you know, and then fill that out. I am, right? And some of them were really positive and some of them were negative and we have to work through the negative things because most of it's, you know, those I am's that aren't great is, you know, usually shame, right? Um, and so we work through it, but she said, um, I'm going to change my what ifs to I am's. So, Ooh. you know, what if I don't do well? Well, I am powerful. I am full of strength. You know, I am a fighter and start focusing there. Elizabeth Beisel, three-time Olympian swimmer, um, she said it so beautifully. She said, you know, especially as women, you know, we're going to have 1,200 thoughts going through our mind. And she goes, when those fears come, it's almost like we're taking a flashlight and we're shining it on those fears. And that's where our focus is. And she said, we need to move the flashlight. Once we, you know, know what the thoughts are and admit them, once we own it, then we need to move our flashlight over onto some of these positive thoughts. And the positive thoughts are always different for everybody. There's no perfect equation that's going to work for everybody. So figuring out what do I need to be thinking to actually feel hopeful about this race or hopeful about what I'm about to do. Because when we've got the fear going, we start dreading it, right? We don't want to do it. We dread it. Yep. Start thinking thoughts. What makes me actually want to do this and get excited about this and feel hopeful about this? And it's different for everybody. You know, I love this. I love it. It's about the reframe and the shift. And I think we should hit on a really cool product you created that may help people trigger that shift. Let's talk about confidence nuggets. Yes. So I have these bracelets and it, and it all started with, um, there's a young woman named Katie Miley and she was an Olympi Olympian in 2016. I started working with her at the end of 2014 and um, she used to be absolutely paralyzed with fear um, before her races. And so we started working together and figuring out how to handle the fear and things like that. And things started going great. And then she made the Olympic team. So obviously we were so excited, but I knew that, you know, hello, going to Rio and being at the Olympics, like, like I said, the first thing to come are fear and doubts. The first thing to go is your confidence, right? And so I knew that once she got there, the fears were going to come because again, I don't believe in fearless. So, um, what I did, what we figured out or what she figured out is, um, you know, you say, um, what do I need to focus on, you know, to be to be hopeful or look forward to this? What she does before every competition is she writes down 10 reasons why she's going to swim fast. And so when the fear comes, 
she knows, okay, there it is. I own it. Now I'm going to, you know, shine my flashlight over on these 10 reasons why I'm going to swim fast, right? So that's what we figured out. So um, years ago, I came up with this theory. For some reason, I envisioned our confidence as gold nuggets. I have no idea why, but um, if you go to my website, actually, confidencenuggets.com, you'll see the videos on kind of the backstory. But before Rio, I went ahead and I made Katie a bracelet with 10 gold nuggets on it, gold beads, and I call them confidence nuggets. And so when she got to Rio and when the fear started to overwhelm her, she could look down at her bracelet and be reminded of those 10 reasons why she was going to swim fast. Well, that girl didn't take her bracelet off <laughs> the entire time she was in Rio. Like it was such an important piece for her. And she said the only time she took it off was when she was swimming and she would actually leave it at the top of her swim bag just to catch a glimpse of it because it was just that visual reminder, um, you know, of those 10 reasons. And so it worked so well when she came back. I started making more bracelets and I put one gold nugget, one confidence nugget in it, and then all kinds of different colors. And so the colors represent an I am. I am full of strength is the matte black one. You know, the gray one is I am determined. Red is I am fierce. Um, blue, this blue, beautiful one that I wear every day. Um, I am worthy because we, you know, have to be reminded of that. Um, there's a clear one, um, which is kind of like the naked one because it's clear. And that is I am enough because I think the world works so hard at, you know, making women feel like they're not enough. You're never skinny enough. You're never pretty enough. You're never, you know, successful enough. Um, and just wearing that to be the reminder that I am enough just as I am right now. Um, so there's 13 different bracelets and it's just those moments. Like I said, when you're under pressure, first thing to come is fear and doubts. First thing to go is confidence. And so just having that reminder around your wrist to look down and go, oh, wait a second. Let me remember who I am. I am worthy. I am a fighter. I am full of strength. I am determined. Um, it's been a game changer for a lot of people. So I'm really proud of them. Oh, I love these, you guys. ConfidenceNuggets.com, 25 bucks in amazing gifts for people. Yes. And then when you actually turn the lens around and look at yourself, you're going to have to buy another one for you. <laughs> yes. So, uh, I mean, this is this is amazing. Well, you have been absolutely awesome. I actually had a we we're we're done. I mean, we rocked this thing. We have uh we've been going almost an hour today. I was thinking that Hey, if there comes a time and there for me, it could be any time and people listening are like, hey, maybe I could use the expertise of Coach Kristen with some confidence training. Can do you work with clients virtually? Yes, I I have clients that I work with either over the phone or over Skype or FaceTime. Um, and I have different packages that I offer. We're going to do another episode where you confidence coach me. I'll be totally naked. Okay, It'll I'm be ready. Awesome. But maybe that one will have to be our private session. <laughs> okay. um, I love it. I love it. Well, before we go, there is a question I ask everybody who comes on the show just to wrap it up. And that is, and you're going to love the term here. If you could give our listeners one final nugget, one piece of yes. advice to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? speak, <laughs> speak, speak your truth. Um, 
like I said, I'm just such a big believer that when we keep all that junk inside, it becomes an anchor and it keeps us stuck. And we were not created to be stuck. We were created to always be moving forward. So find that trusted person and speak your truth. Oh, I love it. You are amazing. Thank, Thank you, you so much for your time today. And Thank everybody you. listening, let's stand a little taller. Let's uh, let's wake up and own it and keep moving ourselves forward. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, all right, I'm back. Um, what a great interview. You know, Kristen just may be one of my new favorite people. It's tough when you're talking to a a life coach of sorts because you feel like they're sort of looking through all your bullshit to the real stuff deep inside, which your kid's kind of like, ah. Personally, I always want to just like get it all out so I don't feel like I'm hiding anything and I can look them in the eye. Of course, I recorded this interview via Skype, so there were no eyes, but it felt like eyes. Um, what you don't know is that after we hung up, we stayed on the line for a good half hour and talked about some more personal hangups and I got a little confidence coaching from her. You know, it's, it's those things that creep into your mind when you're out on a hike that you don't even remember you realized, but for some reason they were important because they materialized again. And Kristen really reiterated that three-part process for healing. Wake up, own it, and then make the transition to the positive. And I think it can really be that simple, but the toughest heart part for most people, heart or part, is to, uh, is to own it. You know, to forgive yourself for whatever negative emotions you're holding on to and then let it go and move forward in a positive way. Um, I also want to share that she sent me one of her confidence nuggets. I, I chose the I Will Lead bracelet. You got to check these out, um, confidencenuggets.com. And I'm not kidding. During a meeting, I found myself focusing in on some small details and I realized that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing during that meeting, which was to lead the meeting. I was getting off track. So that little visual trigger literally got me back on track. I think they'd be really great gifts. Um, and everybody could benefit from having one too. But um, in the end, I really love Kristen's final nugget. It's just speak, speak your truth. Because when you know and accept who you are, the more confidence you'll generate in your life. Before we sign off, don't forget to get over to skirtsports.com and increase your body confidence. There you go. By getting the best fitting, most comfy, cutest women's fitness apparel on the planet. Again, of that, I'm confident. Use code don't give up. It's good through April 30th. And since you are a health-minded person, if you have a need for life insurance, that little voice inside that's telling you it's time to pull the trigger, Head over to healthiq.com backslash RTW, stands for Run This World, so Health IQ can help you get better rates on life insurance as a healthy person. Well, that's all I got. As always, please share this episode with someone who would benefit from hearing it. Take a minute to write a review on iTunes. We're creeping them up there. Thank you so much. It only helps all of us get the word out about messages of positivity and inspiration, something this world so desperately needs. All right, then, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.